you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Colossians. I realize that this is an opportunity for us as individuals, and I think, you know, as you enter into 2021, there's a lot of things that you kind of evaluate or think about or think around uh, as you enter into a new year. I know that a lot of us, you'll have work goals, you'll have family plans. There's things that you're going to want to do in 2021. And so this morning, I, and I think all that is, is normal and neat, but what I want to encourage you this morning is to think about what spiritual plans do you have for your life in 2021? What are some of the things that you need to maybe spend some time with the next couple of days before we enter into 2021? Say, okay, here's some things that I want to think about. Here's some things that I might need to consider. And then once you've kind of thought that way, then you maybe need to sit down with a pen and paper and then actually just listen to see, God, what do you want from my life in 2021? What are the things that I need to evaluate, maybe, you know, change, redirect, think my way through as I enter into this new year? If you have your Bible and your book of Colossians, you're going to find out that Paul's the author. He's writing from prison, and he wants to encourage this church at Colossae and remind them that their significance is found in Christ, that Christ is supreme. Now, if you and I, and probably the typical Church of America, if we were going to be writing a letter to another church, we would say, okay, we need to pray for our offering, pray that people get baptized, pray that everything is comfortable in church, pray that everything works out situationally, positionally, so that you're happy as an individual. You come to the book of Colossians, that's not Paul's words. Paul's not writing to the church of Colossians, he says, hey, let's get people, get me out of this. I'm in a, I'm struggling, life isn't fair, send me an air mattress. Hey, I'd really like to have some coffee, so send it to me. Would you mind making sure that my life is convenient in the midst of the storm? You do not find that in the book of Colossians. Instead, you're going to find an individual who's in prison because he's sharing the gospel and he has a passion for the church at Colossians, or church at Colossians, you say, you know what? Trust Christ. Lean on the significance of Christ in your life. Pray for opportunities that the gospel goes forward. And so this morning, if you look in chapter 1, and you kind of look through 15 through um, 20, now obviously I'm, uh, what I'm not going to do is, is I wanted to kind of jump into chapter 4, but sometimes if we just jump into chapter 4, you miss a lot. So I'm not going to go verse by verse from 1 through 3 to get to 4, so you don't have to worry about that. But there's some neat things that I want you to see as you enter into this morning. So Colossians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 15, he's invisible uh, God. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the, of the body of the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might be supreme. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, that through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his shed blood on the cross. Isn't that fascinating as you kind of, you can kind of list, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, the, he's the image of the invisible God. He's Christ is supreme over all creation. All things are created by Christ. Christ is the head of the church. He's the firstborn from the dead. God fulfills his fullness in him. He's the reconciler. Those are just some things that Paul wanted this church in the midst of where they were, their culture, their society, things that were being said, hey, come back to this. 
I just want to remind you that Christ is supreme. If you look over in chapter 2 and you drop down to, to verse 6, as he writes them, he continues on, and he says some things I think that's pretty interesting. So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Have you thought about in 2020 how Christ has made you thankful? Have you paused in the midst of all this and said, wow, I want to continue on in my relationship with you, Jesus. I want to continue building on, on this, this, this stone or this that has been established in my life. I want to start here and I want to continue that on. I know something is true of all of you in business. You want to start in a certain place, but you have a goal in mind. Let me, let me get over there. Let me live on that side of town. Let me live in this side of the house. But when it comes to church, we just, well, you know, I went to church Sunday. Paul didn't tell that church in Colossians that. He wanted them to understand the gospel's forgiveness and, and sin, and it's, and, it's, and it's Jesus. But he also wanted to encourage them to continue to live in him, rooted and built up, putting some energy and effort in that Jesus that they said that they loved. If you go on to uh, chapter 3, and you kind of read on this, chapter three is kind of put off, put on part of, of the church at Colossae. And so as we sit as a family, there's some things that just will be neat reminders, things that you maybe need to consider being devoted to as you enter into 2020, 21. Look at verse 12. Therefore, God is, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, and then he's going to give you a list. But isn't it interesting that he wanted this church to, to hear something before he said, okay, here's the list. I want to remind you that you're God's chosen people. I want to remind you that you're dearly loved. I don't want you to be honest right now, but how many of you bought your Christmas gifts on sale? Do not raise your hand. You'll get in trouble. How many was looking for the right gift at the right price at the bargain opportunity? I know you're in here, so you know, I, know, I don't want you to raise your hands. But it worked for you. You got it for your price, your amount of money. It worked. And I'm not saying that's bad. But as you sit here this morning, coming off of Christmas, you need to be reminded you didn't just get the leftover gift. You got the best gift. That God wanted you to know that you were chosen and dearly loved. So what did he do? He said, hey, I'll give up my son for you. He didn't say, well, you know, back in my day when I was a kid, we would go to, to Kmart with mom. They had a thing called layaway. I know most of you of this generation have no idea what that was. That meant mom was going to buy me a Christmas gift and it was going to cost her $5 a week or a month until Christmas. So we already knew what our Christmas gifts were going to be, but that's what it worked. You know, you could lay that thing away in the back, they'll keep it for you, and then you can get it at Christmas time. And, the, and we had a great Christmas. It wasn't bad when we were kids like that. It didn't, didn't bother us. But you're sitting here this morning and Jesus is saying to you, I want you to know something. You are dearly loved. And because you are dearly loved, Jesus is going to encourage you to do something. All of this list that you're going to read after are lists that you expect of people. But Jesus expects the same thing of you. He's going to ask you to walk in compassion. He's going to ask you to walk in kindness 
and humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with each other and forgiving whatever grievance you may have against one another. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven you. So as you transition, as you spend some time thinking, saying, okay, Lord, what part of compassion can be more of my life moving forward? What does it look like for me to walk in kindness? How many, how many of us would say, you know what? Humility is something I really need to work on. And I'm pretty sure none of us are going to raise our hand, but all of us got issues with it. So Lord, would you help me walk in compassion because I am dearly loved and walk in humility because you know what? That's what you've done for me. You were willing to die for me. You humbled yourself. You made a choice, okay? I choose this. If you go on down a little bit farther in Colossians, you see opportunities. What does it look like for a home? Husbands loving their wives, not provoking their children to anger. Wives submitting to their husband, children obeying their parents in the Lord. But then I want to get to this part. It's Colossians chapter 4. It's in the middle of this master-slave conversation. And so I was sitting with my Bible, and, I, and so this morning, if it's different for you as I read, I, I was reading my NIV Bible the other day, and so I, I brought it out this morning. And this word just jumped off the page to me, devote yourselves. So slaves and masters, devote yourselves. 2020, devote yourselves. To what? Well, I know that it's easy to devote ourselves to work and to our family. But are we willing to devote ourselves spiritually? And then what is that going to look like for you? So Paul's words to these slaves and their masters was, devote yourselves to prayer. So just stop there for a second. When we talk about the word um, prayer, um, we're not talking about your little list that you sit at your table and you just kind of rattle off your little list and you do it like five minutes and away you go. I've done my little devotions. I've done my prayer time for the day. This is something that's going to cost energy and effort and time in your part. So it's interesting to me that he put the word devote, sacrifice, time, priority, might even cost you some money, next to the word prayer. So if you have your Bible, I want you to kind of to flip with me because I want you to see, when you read the word prayer, I want you to see something. So go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Now don't start quoting it in your head, those of you that just know it. You can just rattle it off in your head. I want you to go back and I want you to be reminded that you're sitting with Jesus and sitting with his disciples. He's having a conversation with his disciples and, and they ask him, you know, teach us to pray. What does that look like? I want you to see something. You're not going to see a list. You're not going to see a time limit. You're going to get to see the heart of Jesus as you look at Matthew chapter 6. And so as you enter into 2020, and then this is just one aspect. You know, this, you're, it could be more than just your prayer time. It could be community. I'm going to devote myself to the community. I'm going to be involved in different things. I'm going to devote myself to upward basketball. Let the little first graders run around, but I'm going to devote you know, a night of the week and a Saturday morning just so they can have some fun. I'm going to devote myself to that. So I'm not just saying it's prayer. But when we say the word prayer, I want you to think Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to start with me in verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now how many of you have been in that prayer meeting and that person went on and on and on and on. And used words that you've never heard before. And you're like, Lord, just please turn them off. 
stop this so we can go on to the next person. That is not what Jesus is asking of you when you think about your prayer life. It's not about your words thinking that you're going to get heard. Look at verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Isn't it exciting this morning that you serve a Father that already knows your needs before you even ask Him? And He's not looking to tell you no just for the fun of it. He's not looking to tell you no just because He wants to be right. He's longing to hear you ask. And so now you get to the part that you're aware of, or you've, you've probably memorized This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So spending some time with Daniel Henderson, we put a word there called reverence. Sitting with a cup of coffee and the word of God open, saying, all right, Lord, I want to communicate with you. Father, I want to thank you for, not the parking spot, not what you got at Christmas. I want to thank you for your father that never gives up on me. I want to thank you for a father that sees what I can become and not who I am. I want to thank you this morning I'm sitting with you that you fought with my father that his mercies are new every morning. I'm sitting with the father this morning I say, you know what, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. You have never given up on me. God, I want to thank you for giving me not what I deserve, but grace, compassion. Aren't you glad your father in heaven is a father of compassion? We would all be gone by now. So reverence. Sitting with your father saying, I'm here to seek your face. If you go on a little bit farther, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's an opportunity for us to respond. It's an opportunity for us to sit down and say, you know what, Lord? It's not about my will. That's my response. Lord, I'm the one that's needy. I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one that has the issues. So I'm not coming to you with, hey, this is what I want. I'm coming to you a heart of reverence that has led me to a response. You're worthy. You're worthy to be sought. Maybe just let your mind wander a little bit as you think around the word of God where God has stepped in and said, you know what? That person's life is broken. I'll help them. It's kind of exciting as you spend some more time thinking and wandering around the scripture and going back and finding this scenario and say, God said, yep, they're, they're, they're really a mess, but I can help them. So provide some joy in your soul to know that your father has never chosen the one who was the best at anything. That had it all together. As you look through the scriptures, all you see is broken people except Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect one. We were spending some time this morning in, in, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. The heroes of the faith. Those people were pretty messy. Their lives were broken. But by faith, they said, God, we're going to trust you. And then you read about it. Then as you go a little bit farther in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread So there's an opportunity for you to have requests. I know you have things on your heart. All of us do. Jesus, would you help me with this? Jesus, the school bill's too much. Lord, I I don't know if the car's gonna make it. We all have those things. Be the son or daughter that lays those things at his feet. Don't tell him what to do. Communicate with him. This is what's on my heart today. And the last part of the Lord's Prayer is this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Well, I for, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Readiness. God, would you fight for so-and-so? I'm just going to turn them over to you. I'm going to ask you to do something radical in their life. Such, in such a sense that I want, uh, Lord, I'm going to ask you to allow them to surrender to you. Make the gospel come alive in their lives. Make the word of God a voice that they want to read and see and hear and talk about. Remember the nation of Israel was stuck in Egypt? They're getting ready to leave and they plunder the Egyptians on the way out. Then they come to the Red Sea. And then they walk across on dry ground. Do you remember what he said in Exodus chapter 15? The Lord is the warrior. Something that you heard in Sunday school. And now to pause and be reminded, say, yeah, Lord, we watched you fight for them. Would you fight for us? Would you fight for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren? Would you fight for my son? Would you fight for my daughter? Would you fight for our community that the gospel would go forward? God, would you fight for individuals? Would you look at the book of Colossians? Would it be more people like Paul who would say, you know what, would you pray for me so that I get an opportunity to talk one more time about you, Jesus? I get an opportunity to share the gospel one more time. So it's, it's an opportunity, it's a window. Christmas, New Year. What will you be devoted to? Where will you allow your relationship with Jesus to continue? Where will you allow your relationship with Jesus to submit to the supremacy of Christ? Yeah, Lord, step into this area. I know you can do it. Where will you continue with them? Where will you pause and say, okay, Lord, what's something that you want to put on in my life? And when I talk about this, I'm not saying to you, try harder. I'm saying to you, Lord, help me be kind. Lord, you help me walk in humility. Should you go back to Colossians chapter four? And you see a couple more words you have, being watchful and thankful. Um, Paul's encouraging this group to be aware of what's going on, kind of like Nehemiah chapter four, where Nehemiah's back and rebuilding the walls. And there's a, some, there's a group of individuals that are making fun of them. They're laughing at them. They're ridiculing them. And so Nehemiah, instead of complaining, he pauses and starts praying. You look in or Jesus' words when he says, be watchful, is, Matthew, or is Mark chapter 13 and 14. Paul's words, again, are in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Being watchful. I was looking at Wearsby. He said it this way. No fire on the altar, and then no incense will rise to God. Real prayers demand spiritual energy and alertness, and then this can only be done from the Holy Spirit. You have the next word there. It says, be thankful and thankful. It's pretty easy to become very selfish. Jesus, I'm saved. Now give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. So when you think about prayer, you think about your time with Jesus being just showered with God, I want to say thank you. I don't want to be that selfish kid. I want my heart to overflow with thankfulness. And so as Paul's writing to slaves and masters, church at Colossae, look what he says next. Ask for us too. Pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
So you got, is it interesting to you or is it coincidence to you that you have an individual that's in prison because he's sharing the gospel and he's not asking the church at Colossae to, hey, get me out. He's not asking for that. He's not asking for comfort. He's not asking to be released. He's not asking for, for them to come meet his physical needs. He's asking this church to say, hey, trust the supremacy of Christ and pray for me. That as I get another opportunity, one more time, here it is, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to proclaim it clearly. I know why I'm here. I'm here in chains because of the gospel. And I'm going to die because of the gospel. And I'm not going to walk away from that. What about you? It's an opportunity for you to pause the next four or five days. Set your work goals. I don't have a problem with that. Set your family plans. I don't have a problem with that. Get excited about when people prioritize their family. Set your spiritual goals. Give Jesus an opportunity to do something radical in your life. When I mean radical, I mean he can take bitterness and set you to joy. That's radical to me. He can take you from fear to faith. That's the power of the gospel. Stop looking for the world to get better. Stop looking everywhere else's issues. Oh, just go out there. Go look around. Stop. Look, look back here. Ask him. What do you want to change in my life? I don't just want to know you for the forgiveness. I want to know you as my father. And there's a difference. What will you be devoted to in 2021? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather as a family. And as we go our different ways, I know, Father, you're the only one that can work deep down in people's hearts for them to actually pause and be reminded of your word, coming back to Colossians. You're the only one that can re-change our devotion. You're the only one that can tap us on the shoulder for a wake-up call. So Father, do it individually. Don't let us look externally. Don't let us look around and say, okay, yeah, we need to fix this person, this person. Man, this person should have been here for that message. No, Father, may we hear your voice this morning. May we set our our temporary goals, but maybe pause and be reminded of our spiritual goals. Grow us up this year in 2021. May us more, make us more excited about the gospel. May we fall more in love with you because of who you are, not just because of what you do for us. May your mercy really matter in our soul. So Father, thank you for each person that's here. Now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would draw your word to clarity in their minds. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you and have a great day.